This is Crime Connections, and we're your host. I'm Jackie. And I'm Sarah. Today, we want to tell you about two cases in Montgomery, Alabama. They happened within six days of each other, and the two victims actually knew each other. This is the unfinished stories of Nanette Thomas and Rakeem Samuels. Now let's get into it. On April 2nd, 2016, 20-year-old Rakeem Samuels was getting a ride from a friend from work because his car was in the shop. She dropped him off at Walmart around 1.30. He was then spotted getting into a black Nissan Versa. Later that night, when Rakeem didn't return home, his mother Erica knew something was wrong. Rakeem knew to be home before midnight no matter what day it was. Every night after work, he would walk into his mother's room and check on her and just let her know that he was home safe. And, you know, it worried her because that was so out of character for him that she ended up uh, getting the cell phone provider to provide, like, the information, like, where the phone was last pinged and the text messages that were coming through. And that's how she ended up finding out who dropped him off at Walmart and who was, like, in contact with him at the time. And then ultimately, two days later, the official uh, missing persons report was filed. Yeah, I, I would assume that it took her a little bit to get those records. And also with him being an adult, I know you have to wait a certain amount of time before you can report someone missing. Exactly. Being the eldest son, he was the man of the house. Erica said since being a single mother, he was a tremendous help by helping take care of not only his siblings, but his cousins as well. Okay, me and my son, we were very close. My son wasn't the type of person that hang out in the streets, go to clubs. He had everything lined up of what he was going to do when he graduated high school. That May, he was to start school for welding. He was also studying for his firefighter exam. He had his future planned out before he graduated high school and was working at Govis Hyundai making decent money. He was a good worker and truly enjoyed his job at Govis Hyundai. Despite hard times, he was really trying to make something of his life. While working at the Govis plant, Rakeem met Nanette Thomas. So both of them worked at Glovis, Hyundai Glovis, all right? Yes. Nanette and my son were very close. Oh, okay. Okay. My son would come home talking about Miss Nanette, how sweet she was and how she could talk to him about, he can talk to her about anything because she felt like a mother figure to him. And it was another man at the job, Mr. Earl. Those those were the two people that he looked up to as parents. Okay. Okay. So my son, I seen him that Saturday morning. He fixed me breakfast. We sat down and talked. But he always would come home and he'd come straight to my room to make sure I was all right. But that morning, it felt different. He was just really, really happy. I asked him, I said, son, are you on something? What's wrong? I said, because you're just so happy. Mm-hmm. And he was he was just glowing. He had the biggest smile out this world that'll blow you out the room. That's just how pretty his smile was. One of the last conversations Annette had with Erica was that she would help try to find out information from the people they worked with who was last in contact with Rakeem. Not long after she started looking into finding answers, did she go missing? Some of the things that we have found out looking into Rakeem's case were very unsettling. But I think those two cases are connected. 
they don't want to admit it down here in Montgomery. I have letters from different family members of how we get treated down here, how the cases, because I went in the woods pulling up my son bones. He, 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 he was a sweet young man. Yes, ma'am. No, never. It, the police, they was trying to put him as just because of what our parents do don't mean the children will do it. So his son, it, my, his father was in prison for drugs, okay? Okay. So he put my, the detective put my son up to say, well, I heard in the streets that he was traveling all around the world. I said, traveling well, because you got to be in my house by 12 a.m. I said, no, no, Rakeem. I said, no, Rakeem wasn't traveling nowhere. Rakeem know the rules, because I run my house. The way I run my house, you in my house before 12 a.m. I don't care if you 19 years old. If I'm still buying your underwears and your T-shirts, okay, you need to be in my house before 12 a.m. That's just respect. So, and they they dealt with his case very sloppy. It was a lot of evidence. This case could have been, well, they know who did it. But they wait for somebody to come down and say, yeah, I know he did it. And, um, but that's never going to happen because he, he had an accomplice that was his friend. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, let me say it like this. It's going to happen. He, he, you, can't be, you can't be a criminal all your life and not get caught. Yeah. But this is how it was. My brother-in-law, you probably can talk to him also. And during the day, he would do all the calls for me. He would stay on top of the uh, lieutenant that was over the case. So he told my brother-in-law, well, um, well, I, I went to Walmart to get the video. And, you know, Walmart only holds video for so many days. So... He told my brother-in-law and I, well, I'm going to go and get the video and I'll get back in contact with you all. Well, I couldn't wait because I was, I wanted to know where my child was. That was not, that was not like my child not to call me and let me know what he was doing. Yeah. So each time the lieutenant would tell my brother-in-law something, he would go behind him asking going to the people well, has any detective came in here he had to speak with the managers mm-hmm. has any detective came in here to talk to y'all about such and such no he got so mad at my brother-in-law because he was catching him in so many lies he just said can't nobody else call me but the mother okay yeah he cut he, he cut that out all right because we was, we, we was catching up on him and do you know how long it was before they even looked at the car? About six, about six weeks. Wow, that's a long time. I gave him the boy's phone number. I told him who he was, everything. The boy even told them that he was planning on committing a crime, committing a robbery. What? Yeah, he told, told the man that he was planning on doing something that's against him because at that time he was out on parole you mean tell me you're not going to tell this man parole so one of my uh, son's friends called called him and said 
where is Rakeem at? They got into it over the phone. He said, yeah, he over here on Chase Street. You know, Chase and Hopper Street is like catacorn to each other. It runs up and down each other. So he was telling on himself. Okay, so he was the last one I had seen him alive. Mm-hmm. What was his story? Like, did he say, oh, I dropped him off here? Oh, it was a party over there, and Rakeem wanted to stay over there. Let me tell you something. When they found my child at, my child told me in March, Mama, I don't fool around over there. So did the cops then say, okay, like, who was at this party, and did they question people that were supposedly at this party? Mm-hmm. They still questioning people. Wow. So it's still considered an open case then? Mm-hmm. It's open with the um, county. Okay. But the city has closed it. But I'm finna get that reopened. Yeah, he went to the party, dropped him off, and then left, and then he doesn't left. know what happened to him. Yeah, yeah. And then, so are people at the party just supposedly saying, like, well, he just disappeared or he just walked off or? They don't remember seeing him. Because I'm telling you, all of this is surrounding Monday. The girl that came, my son called from the shop. The girl that came and picked him up, she worked at Monday. Okay. Mm-hmm. She dropped him off at walmart to get in the car with his co-worker i didn't know until monday that she did that and when i called her she was not crying so i'm like what are you crying for and i had to call verizon to find out who was the last person my son was in contact with yeah and it was her i think she uh-huh. I think she had something to do with it. We, I had to get my own search party. Because they want here. The police want here. police ain't going to do too much down here. So I had to get my own search party together. And we wow. was like two streets away from where my son was. But the reason Miss Nanette came to my house, Rakeem went missing that Saturday. She came that Thursday to my house. And she was crying. And I'm just standing up here looking at her because I'm in shock. And I'm like, this woman really did care about my son. She said, y'all, I want to go look for this baby. They thinking that Miss Nanette, ex-husband, her husband, had something to do with her death, but I beg to differ. The same people, I think Miss Nanette ran on some information at that plant. And they got her coming out of her house. Because he was telling everybody, come on, you're going to go with us? Because you're supposed to be Rakeem's friend. You're going to go with us to um, go look for Rakeem? Man, y'all, Keem gone. Keem gone. He already knew my son was dead. Wow. And I called. The supervisor, Nanette, and the supervisor was here. I called the uh, detective to let him talk to the supervisor so she can tell what was going on, what was being said down there. He said, that's hearsay. I can't use that. 
But you know, I talked to an FBI agent. You know what he told me? Miss hmm. Davis, that's what solved my cases. I had to get the FBI in on this. And then I got to go down in these woods picking up my child bones. I still got my child bones at the time. Montgomery only had three. This is the capital of Alabama. Montgomery only had three homicide detectives. Hyundai Manufacturing is Montgomery money. Mm-hmm. That's what bring, that's their revenue. That's what bring them money. So they could not jeopardize the business for Hyundai. I'm telling you the way the state representative explained it to me. It was a some building that the news people wanted. So instead of having to buy it, the city donated it to them. My case is not with the city anymore. They did such a horrible job when they found the car mm-hmm. and say it smelled like it had been cleaned out. Well, why you didn't pull the car? To get the car luminol. Yeah. To get it fingerprinted. None of that. The DA still working my son's case. Because they got more detectives than the city got. Yeah. They got more heart than the city got. You got dirty cops. You got dirty cops here in Montgomery. Narcotic cops. And I think these boys pay them off. We need help. It's sad down here because you got officers that don't care. It's really sad. It's so sad down here. I hate I brought my children because I'm not from here. I'm from Gordon, Alabama. I hate I brought my children up here. I have so many, so many, so many letters from family members on how they was treated. Well, and that's the thing, too. It's like when you get on, like, as a person in an authority position, you get on the media and you say, you know, unfortunately, like, it it makes sense. He was related to drugs. He was doing this, this, and this. And, you know... It, it's really unfortunate that he's missing or he passed away, but, like, he was into drugs. No, sir, he wasn't into drugs. He was home by 12. Well, and this is our second case now because our previous case, the kid was also made to look like an alcoholic or a drug addict just because he was 16 and hanging out at a place where people were known for it. Yeah, yeah like, it's crap. Just because you hang out in an area doesn't make you a person or that, that you does live those in an things, area or or that your parents did offenses drug related criminal offenses whatever it was there's just because your parents do something that is not a reflection of you and no. that's one of the things erica was like you know just because his dad did this stuff does not mean that he was that way because he wasn't whatsoever he wanted a future he wanted to do these good things and mm-hmm. he didn't hang out with people that did those things yes Unfortunately, months had gone by and nothing had come to light on either where he was or what had happened to him. After three grueling months, on June 30th, the remains of Rakeem were found around the area of South Hopper Street, which was just a few blocks east of the Crampton Bowl football stadium. And you know what's crazy is the person that was last seen, the person who drove that Versa, um, was called multiple times by different people, and they were asking... Um, where Rakeem was and he was like oh he's on Chase Street knowing full well that he wasn't but Chase Street 
is just a few streets over from where Rakeem was found no longer alive. So I thought that was super weird. It's kind of like, are you admitting that you know something? Well, and not only that, but okay, so if he's over there, what is he doing? Right, because... Like, he, why do you keep saying he's over there? Yeah, multiple times. Like, he's been called on different days, different occasions, and he's always on Chase Street. Um, how long is this party that he's supposedly at? Because I've... Is it a rave? Like, what is it? Like, I would <laughs> yeah, love to know. That's not normal. Because that's, I, I've never been to a party that lasts, like, multiple days, weeks, months. Mm-hmm. So, th- yeah, and that was months. always his, it, that, oh, he's on Chase Street. No, he's not. He's on a street over, just not with us anymore. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, due to the state of Rakeem's body, the autopsy was inconclusive, and they couldn't even get a time of death which I thought was kind of weird because we've all seen movies where it's like this person's been dead for 20 years and or something yeah you know? and well I guess they don't they're not like oh we can tell they died at 12 p.m in 1970s which they're not doing no that, but I would but... expect like oh he's been here a while but then I was also talking to Miss Davis and she was saying because I asked her I was like well I'm assuming it's because of the heat yeah it was, it's very hot there she I was like I would assume that in June-ish time that it's already pretty dang hot and she's like oh yeah it definitely is but the thing to me which is weird is what when we talk about like decompositions of bodies and how heat can affect them why is it that um no one could smell him well especially because if he's really around a football field it's gonna be a popular area especially in 2016 like we're talking COVID times now there's not many people you know out and about Mm -hmm. doing things but in 2016 people are out doing things especially like in the summer months everyone's outside unless i mean it is super hot so maybe they're in the air conditioning but where he was was a very populated area so you're telling Mm -hmm. me you couldn't smell a decomposing body because you definitely would be able to oh yeah yeah that is very strange um the montgomery police department actually closed rakeem's case however the district attorney's office has reopened his case and is looking into it with fresh eyes they offer to even do this for Nanette's case as well, but unfortunately, they have heard very little from her family. Um, nonetheless, deep down, the people closest to Rakeem have an unsettling feeling that they know who did it. Only time and potential new evidence can prove this, but unfortunately, right now, it's still pretty cold. I, I really wonder if some of that footage from Walmart would have proven something. Um, maybe he was with more than the kid in the car, just because... He was seen with that one guy. Doesn't mean that he was alone. Well, and there was, like, speculation, too, that there was more more than one person in the car. But, again, without that camera footage and eyewitness accounts, you can't really be for sure. No. You know, and even some of the tips that Miss Davis was telling me, I'm wondering if they were to have been looked into sooner than later, would something have come of that, you know, and help the case along? Because we... It just sounds like a lot of it was not taking very very seriously. seriously because I think he was an adult and not well, a child. Right, but like Erica knew right away something was wrong to the point where she was like, my son's not home, this is weird, mm-hmm. I'm getting his phone records, and that's how she knew who he was with last. That's how we found out who dropped him off at Walmart and then who he was in contact with after. So that's kind of how like everything was like, okay, we figure something's going on, and she gave all of that to police immediately. Which is just so crazy because they still didn't investigate seem to it take or... it very seriously. Exactly. 
You know, and at the end of the day, um, many believe he was murdered at the hands of someone he trusted, but there's a lot of speculation around that. So we don't know if the person that did it, he did know and trust, but a lot of people from that area do believe he did know the person that did it to him. So at the end of the day, it's until things, new things come out, we're not going to know for sure. Yeah. Speaking of Nanette, we actually started looking into her case first because we got a tip or I should say Sarah got a tip from one of her colleagues, I believe. Right. Yep. And we spoke with someone very close to the case. And while we were looking into the Nanette case, we actually found Rakeem's case. So let's get into Nanette. On November 1st, 1965, Nanette Johnson was born. She was a friendly, easygoing girl who grew up with parents that tended to be strict at times, but only for her own good. She particularly had a close relationship with her mother, and even in adulthood made sure her mom knew how much she cared. At a young age, she met her soon-to-be future husband and would eventually become Nanette Thomas. As their relationship grew, the couple eventually relocated to Montgomery from their hometown of Atmore, Alabama. After some time, the couple eventually grew apart and divorced, but before they did, they had two baby boys together while married. Nanette was, by all accounts, a hardworking, extremely generous woman who never mistreated anyone, according to multiple people I've spoken with. She was the type that would give you what you need, even if she needed it too. She would buy clothes or jewelry in pairs so she could give it to her best friends so they could match with her. In many ways, Nanette displayed a lot of traits that maybe some of your own best friends do. She was a hopeless romantic, and she tried to find the best in people she cared for. While researching Nanette, I learned that she had a very close male associate that by all accounts sounds more like a tumultuous dating relationship, according to multiple individuals close to Nanette. When I heard about some of the things that happened to Nanette, it brought tears to my eyes. Nanette never wanted to get this man in trouble, but in many ways he did not care what the repercussions happened to her because of the things he did. He would beat her to the point where she would miss work and she would lose her jobs. Sometimes, even in public, he would beat her, and on multiple occasions, bystanders would call law enforcement and he would be arrested. A really memorable one happened at the May Day Festival in Alabama, or when they would be at cookouts with friends and family and he would get mad and beat her there too in front of them. He also would prevent her from speaking with her children and her friends, and even threaten some of her family members. But one of the incidents that sticks out to me the most is when he became angry with her while they were in the car. He kicked her out of the car, made her strip down naked, and beat her with a belt. And in this instance, the police didn't come. They weren't called. No one was around to help her. She had long-term issues as well. She couldn't talk for long periods of time and actually went to see a specialist about this because she couldn't understand why it hurt to talk. And so when she went to the specialist, they told her her vocal cords were damaged and it was likely due to being choked. She tried to leave, but when she did, she received phone calls telling her exactly what she was doing at that moment, what her friends and family, if they were with her, what they were doing at that moment. And she was really scared of this man. On more than one occasion, she would have enough money saved up to move out, and randomly, and I really do say that loosely, her car would be stolen, her apartment would be cleaned out to the point where not even her toothbrush was left behind from the robbers, if you want to call them that. She was made to depend on this person for nearly everything at times. But she did eventually get away. No one knew this, but only a few people, that she moved into a different apartment. She called her friends nightly on her way to work at Gova's Hyundai plant where she was a team leader. 
and she never missed a call because she was scared. So she made sure that everyone knew, the people that were close to her knew what she was doing and where she was going. In many ways, this case has been different from others that Jackie and I have looked into. We've spoken with the original and current detective on Nanette's case and spent many hours and multiple months looking into the truth behind what we're about to tell you. And that is that Nanette's missing. She's been missing since April 8th, 2016. There has been minimal leads on her case. Her car was located at her old apartment in Montgomery, which that's why I say minimal people knew where she moved to. So whoever found her knew that was her old apartment. So that's where the car that she owned was left behind. And inside that car, there was blood inside of it. And from people that I've spoken with, because it's not been reported on, it's not in any news articles, there was enough blood that probably she did not make it. And being that no one has seen or heard from her in five years, I would say she probably did not. Many people have tried to make the effort to raise money or try to search for her, but there has been little to no help from certain people in her families that is in charge of her case. I have reached out and made contact with one of her sons, but the person I really wanted to speak with has never been active on social media to see any of my messages. I've contacted the last known apartment complex this individual has lived in, and I couldn't get a hold of him there either. There's been many people that love her and need answers because they haven't had peace since April 8th, 2016. And we want to bring her home. According to the Charlie Project, Nanette was last seen wearing a white tank top, pink pullover, white capri pants. At the time of her disappearance, she was 51 years old, weighing 220 pounds, and she was 5'6 in height. She's an African-American woman with brown eyes and black hair, and she has both of her ears pierced. And that's, that's literally all we know. And I, I was like trying to not get choked up when I was saying that because, you know, when I speak to the people that are closest to her and I, I read them what we were going to say, I think of like, I, I started crying and so did the, the people that um, gave me all the information that the internet didn't. Hearing everything that she went through, you, I don't know, speaking to Erica mm-hmm. in the way that Rakeem talked about her. She was a light. She was happy and a motherly figure. Yeah. And to know that she was going through what she was going through and yet still stayed positive is crazy. I know. Is really crazy. So when we talk about everything that we have thus far in this episode, there are some theories that we want to talk to you about. And a couple of them may be crazy. They may not be. Um, so we're just going to lay them out for you. So we have Nanette Thomas and she worked at Govis Hyundai. Hyundai. Yep. And we have Rakeem who also worked at Govis Hyundai. Underneath her. Underneath her. And Rakeem went missing. And then six days later, Nanette's missing. Nanette went missing. Mm-hmm. Um, Rakeem was found. His case is still open. Nanette was never found and her case is still open. Yeah. And one of the last things before Nanette went missing was she wanted to find information about Rakeem. So she told Erica, you know, I'm going to try to see these people at work and see, you know, what I can find out. If I can find out anything, I will let you know. Yep. And Erica never heard from her again. So some of some people believe that maybe she went missing, missing murdered because of the information she got. Mm-hmm. Other people and people close to her before any of this was ever discussed believe that her significant other may have done it. 
And, you know, when you look at like cases where significant others are, you know, abusive, there's a lot of domestic violence going on here. There's a lot of cases that were filed against this. You can look them up. Um, it makes me wonder, you know, did the significant other do it? But then you also have this well, going on. Because originally when we were looking into this, we did not know they knew each other. Right. Um, we knew they worked together, but you know, I don't know. Some of those plants can be huge. Right. So you could work, quote unquote, work for someone, but not never really talk to them. And then after speaking with Erica, they actually were somewhat close, mm -hmm. and to the point that she, she was Nanette there, went looking. there crying and saying, "We need to find your baby. I we need to find your baby." And then she went out and helped search for him. So like, that's not just some boss. That's, that's someone, someone that cared close. for him. And well, and I talked to both detectives, and they both said, "Yeah, we don't think it's connected it's at related. all." And then social you media to outlets, the people who live in the area, and they really believe it's yeah connected. So we have social media and law enforcement saying, "No, there's no way this is connected. We don't believe so at this time." And then we have family members saying, "Oh no, 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 no. We, we think, think that it's it connected. is." Yeah. And you know, even when I was speaking with Davis on the phone, she even said to me. What do you think about it? When you read those articles, what do you think? Because when you look it up, there's not many articles at, at all, all other than them saying, oh, they're missing and that's about it. And I was like, you know, it's very, I mean, what are, what are the odds that two people who yeah. actually knew each other, which we didn't know before. Same shift, same plant, same area that they're working on. Both go missing and then suppose, well, we know for sure that obviously Rakeem has passed, but. We don't know about um, Nanette 100%. But so, I mean, yeah, so what that's, are the odds? that's the other theory, you know? Um, I've heard from at least four people, and this is just like speculation because they're like, yeah, but we don't know. Um, they think that she's in hiding. They think she's in hiding from either that significant other because mm -hmm. she was hiding from him, or they think that maybe she's in hiding from the information she gathered about Rakeem's case. Yep. And what's crazy is her sister ended up moving out of Alabama altogether. And it makes right you... Right around the same time. Right around, like, yeah, around the same time. So it makes me wonder, is she in hiding somewhere else, starting a new life in a bigger city, a smaller town? No one knows her. But from what we can find, there's not much coverage of either of these cases. No. So if she moved, let's say, six states away, let's say, mm -hmm. do you think they're going to know about her? Probably not. I don't think so. I didn't I didn't know she even existed until someone came up to me and were like, hey, you're doing a, a crime podcast. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, you need to look into this. Yeah. So, I mean, is it a possibility? Sure. Maybe. But nah, I don't know. Uh, my thing is, you know, people talk. So after five years, no one's ever slipped up about nothing. I don't know. But then, I mean, we also have her family's not very active in her case and they're very laissez-faire when i was like oh can can i ask you a couple things about it and they're like mm. like i get it i get you don't know me you don't know mm -hmm. jackie or i so to talk to two girls in ohio yeah. about something that happened like they might be thinking well what can they really do for my case you yeah. know that might be their thought process that's you know we can't judge anyone for not wanting to talk about their traumas with us and i'm not going to but it just seems like from the people that I've spoken with that know the family, that knew her well, they do not think that this case has been taken seriously by family members that claim to be close with her. Yeah. And by 
other people as well. Yeah, for sure. And that's exactly how Erica feels, too. She feels as though it was not taking, taken seriously enough. Yeah, well, and why did the Montgomery Police Department close Rakeem's case without having someone behind bars? Yeah, I've never heard of that before. Me neither. Like, it's not a one-done-wham-bam, we're shutting it down because we found him. That's the start. Mm -hmm. So why is it the district attorney has to open it with fresh eyes because, you know, and I'm not trying to be that person that's like, oh, well, they're not doing their job. But from what it sounds like, what is happening? What's happening? What what have you done for his case? Well, and, you know, speaking with Ms. Davis, um, she's been begging. Everyone. And I mean begging these people please look at my case please 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 take my case she's talked to people outside of montgomery and you know erica was even trying to reach out to different tv shows trying to get them to cover rakeem's case and nothing ever has really panned out there either but it's not like she's just sitting down waiting for something to happen like she's actively going out there she wants her son's killer brought to justice yes and she prays she's very religious um, religious and she really relies on God for that because she has been quoted saying, you know, if it weren't for him, I don't think I'd be making it through this because losing a child is something one of the hardest things that you could ever go through. Yeah, and I know people that have lost children and it is literally so detrimental to your mental health. You can see it in them. Yeah, it doesn't go away. It's not a hurt that just fills by different voids. Mm-hmm. And Erica Davis is the epitome of a woman that had her entire life turned upside down because of one person's bad actions or maybe multiple people. We don't know just yet. Yeah. But Erica knows deep down that they're going to find out who did it. And I hope it happens sooner rather than later. Me too. So while there are many rumors swirling around Nanette's case and there are just as many for Rakeem's case... Please do not let these names die. The families and friends of both of these individuals deserve closure. The case has been very near and dear to both Jackie and I. Many hours of searching for information that may bring those responsible to justice. If you have any information, please call the Crime Stoppers of the Central Montgomery at 334-215-STOP. That's 334-215-7867. I would also like to just say that if you are in a relationship with domestic violence and you are in immediate danger, please call 911. And for anonymous confidential help 24-7, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. That is 1-800-799-SAFE. Or you can call 1-800-787-3224. Yes, and please join us next week for another case and follow us on social media at Crime Connections Pod on Instagram and Crime Connections on Facebook. And if you have any inquiries or you want to submit anything to us or if there's maybe even a case that you would like us to cover, um, you can email us at crimeconnections at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys.